advertising whole frozen turkeys at 50 cents a pound. That's 50% lower than prices last year. So that's good news for Thanksgiving. Welcome, my name is Valerie Kilders and this is the Purdue Agricultural Economics Podcast. I am so glad to have you back listening to us and joining me today is Shelby Whitaker, one of our student co-hosts. Welcome Shelby. How are you doing today, Dr. Kilders? I'm doing well, I'm doing well. Shelby, you mentioned earlier you went to the AFA meeting this weekend. How did that go? It was really great talked to a lot of industry professionals, heard from great speakers. It's always a good time to reconnect with individuals in the ag industry. Awesome. Yeah, we love seeing our students be represented there and really getting to connect with our stakeholders. And I feel like that meeting is always kind of a signal that the semester is slowly starting to wind down. Are you ready for the last couple of weeks? I am looking forward to winter break and Thanksgiving break here. So hopefully can get some relaxation time and do all of that. Yeah, I bet. And especially with Thanksgiving coming up, I think it is time for our annual checkup on what is going on in the markets. And we actually have an expert here today who can help us answer those questions a little bit. Shelby, do you want to tell the people who we have here today? Absolutely. So today we have Dr. Joseph Balagtas. He is a professor in agricultural economics at Purdue University and the interim director of the Center for Food Demand Analysis and Sustainability, CFDAS. He conducts research on the economics of agricultural markets, including agricultural and food policy, the industrial organization of agricultural markets, and poverty and food security. How are you doing today, Dr. Blactus? I'm great, Shelby and Valerie. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Thank you for coming on. Now, Shelby just introduced you a little bit, and it seems like you're working on so many different things. Can you maybe tell us a little bit about your own research as well as the projects that you're working on right now? Yeah, so many different things is, I think, a good way to describe my research interests. I'm interested in just about everything, and I haven't worked on everything, but I'd be interested to work on everything. I think of myself as someone who works on industrial organization, so how firms compete in markets, and in particular, industrial organization of ag and food markets, so how farms, processing firms, food retailers compete in those markets how policy, so government intervention in those markets, interacts with that competition, and how consumers behave in those markets as well. Awesome. That's great. I do want to talk about, you were recently appointed the interim director for CFDAS. Can you tell us a little bit about what that center does and what you hope to do with it in the future? Yeah, sure. CFDAS is the Center for Food Demand Analysis and Sustainability. I've been the interim director since August now. For short, I call it Center for Food Demand. Collects data, shares data, and conducts research that illuminates how consumers behave in food and agricultural markets. I hope that we end up being sort of a thought leader based on research in that space. I think of it as Purdue taking the land grant mission towards the consumer end of food markets, right? So providing information, public goods, that's what land grant universities do, not only for farmers and agribusiness firms, but to help understand sort of what's happening at the consumer end of that market, which of course has implications upstream for those firms and farms, et cetera. Absolutely. 
Which, to those of us listening, you also have like these amazing dashboards that you publish. So anyone who wants to look at a variety of topics, and I think some of them even go back past COVID-19 in terms of what they captured time-wise. And so coming to the time of the year that's right around the corner, Thanksgiving, one thing we were wondering is we're looking at disruptions like COVID-19, which obviously had a big impact in 2020 and partially still in 2021. But now we're a couple years out. What do you think we can learn from the disruptions we saw when it comes to like trying to have a stable food supply around times like Thanksgiving? Yeah, my takeaway from the COVID disruptions is that we have a very resilient food supply. It's amazing that we, meaning the world, experienced a historically unprecedented pandemic, right? And there were some hiccups along the way, some disruptions that caused us to dump milk, right? And, and not be able to acquire food or produce food in ways that we were used to doing for a short period of time. And in April, 2020, a month into the pandemic, it felt like, oh my gosh, this might not end. Or in June 2020, you know, when is this ever going to end? Now we've got a few years of perspective. We could look back and be like, oh, we survived that pretty well. You know, there was some damage done, but we did pretty well. The food supply chain ended up being fairly resilient. So I think there's a good story to tell there. Absolutely. So I know with Thanksgiving around the corner, we've kind of hinted around to it. How have the prices of key Thanksgiving dinner items kind of changed over the past few years? And do you know any of the main factors that are driving these changes? Yeah, that's it's a great topic and it's, it's timely. Just Tuesday, so two days ago from when we're recording, the Bureau of Labor Statistics released its October Consumer Price Index data. And that showed some interesting tidbits. The overall inflation number was 3.9%, about 4%. The overall food price inflation was 3.3%. That means food prices overall today or in October were 3.3% higher than they were a year ago, right? To put that number in context, in summer 2021, so two years ago, food prices were growing at an annual rate of something like 10 or 11%. So inflation in general is cooling. That's good. Inflation is cooling. And by that, I mean, prices are rising at a slower rate, right? But they're still rising. So what does that mean? Food prices are 3% higher than they were a year ago. They're actually 14% higher than they were two years ago. And food prices are something on the order of 25% higher than they were in 2019 before the pandemic, right? And so high food prices are, are top of mind of anybody who's had to do any shopping, which is just about all of us. And that's the reason why, right? So you just mentioned that it obviously affects the consumers, it affects all of us. How do you think, or do you have any advice to consumers when they're trying to balance the cost, but also the quality when they're trying to shop for these Thanksgiving dinner ingredients? Yeah, I shy away a little bit from giving advice. I think consumers in general are pretty good at, at finding deals and knowing how to save money on their grocery bill or restaurant bill. I do think about and study how consumers do that, and, and I learn a lot from that type of research. And so there is research now showing that consumers, in fact, have trade, economists call it trading down, right? So within the coffee 
segment, consumers are moving to lower price brands, right? Often that means maybe store brands, right? Within packaged foods. Within the meat sector, consumers have moved away from higher priced items to lower priced items. So that might mean from premium steaks to ground beef, that could be pork or chicken. That has been a strategy that consumers have been using. That's great. So what are the major economic challenges faced by farmers producing these Thanksgiving staples, and how do these challenges kind of affect the pricing? I know you said they're slowly increasing, but are there any specifics that you could kind of go into? Yeah, so let's think about a few specific items. I give you the inflation rates for food in general. Meat is actually one of the parts of the grocery store where prices are a little slower to cool off. Beef prices are up 9% over last year. Poultry prices only 1%. Pork prices are actually the same as they were last year. So we do see some recovery faster in poultry and in pork. The good news, and this is important for Thanksgiving, is that avian influenza which continues to affect agricultural markets. Ag production in the U.S. is slowing down. So a year ago, we had record high turkey prices because in the year leading up to last Thanksgiving, we had to destroy a lot of turkeys to contain the spread of infectious disease, avian influenza. I'm not an expert on it. That's been spreading through commercial bird flocks, right? So that includes turkeys. Egg prices were really high last year. There is still avian influenza in the United States, but it's less of a problem than it was. I've got the data here on my phone. Egg prices are down 22% from last year, so that's a big deal. Turkey prices in October were down 13% over last year. That data is actually dated. I woke up the other day and saw the Meyer flyer. I'm old school. I still get paper advertisements in the mail. And Meyer here in Indiana was advertising turkey prices, whole frozen turkeys at 50 cents a pound. So that's more than 50% lower than prices last year. So that's good news for Thanksgiving. And if you're like me, a procrastinator, and you haven't yet bought your turkey, there are some good (laughs) deals out there to be had. Yeah, I'm definitely one of the ones that's lagging behind. And I have the whole family coming in, so i got to take care of that or get to make use of that 50. Sometimes lagging pays off, Valerie, right? and this time it <laughs> I does, I think right? right now it shows. Yeah, see? <laughs> Plus, I don't have the space in the freezer just yet, but, you know, I'll eat some of the ice cream we have left and then put the turkey in. <laughs> that sounds like a good plan. <laughs> Now, talking about these prices, you just said we came down tremendously. Do you think, based on what we're observing, you can make any type of prediction of what you're expecting in terms of the cost of Thanksgiving for the coming years? Yeah, so going forward, what will happen? So the big thing for turkey production is going to continue to be avian influenza. And so I, I think if avian influenza comes back, right roars back then we're gonna see high turkey prices and if not then we'll go back to a trend of of falling prices right i'm not a macroeconomist but the federal reserve has been reducing the money supply increasing interest rates all in an effort to reduce price inflation right and that seems to be working so i suspect prices are gonna continue to slow down I don't know about fall, but price inflation hopefully is going to fall back to sort of that 2% range that the Fed is targeting. 
So kind of talking about, you know, the government and policy decisions and things like subsidies and trade regulations, how do these kind of regulations impact the affordability of Thanksgiving staples for households across different income levels? So affordability is a big thing, right? Mm -hmm. So before we talk about policy, I, I think there's an important point to be made and it's affordability is partly about prices. So it makes sense to, to look at prices and what's happening to prices in the economy, but it's also about income right? And how much money people have to spend on food or other items. So we want to look at how prices are changing over time, but also how income is changing over time. And on that end, the story's really good. The economy is generating jobs. Employers are trying to hire. And that means wages are rising. And if you drive through McDonald's, you see it. If you go out to a restaurant, you see it. If you're here at Purdue trying to hire staff, you see it, right? It's a tough place to try to hire someone. It's great if you're a worker. So higher wages has two effects on how we spend food. One, so it turns out something like half of the money we spend on food goes to pay for labor in the food supply chain, right? So that's everyone from farmers to truck drivers to meatpacking plant workers the kid that bags your groceries and the people that cook and serve food in your restaurants, right? So that's half. When you get higher wages, right, that means that affects half of the cost of producing your food. And so that's part of the reason why we have higher food prices. The other reason that higher wages or higher incomes and higher wealth affect food markets is that we have more money to spend on food. And so wages, I have the data on in front of me. Average wages since pre-COVID, so 2019, have risen by 21%, right? So that's average hourly wage. That's an average across the whole economy. That's a lot of different jobs. And so not everybody has, has seen higher wages. And if you don't work, that doesn't really help you. But on average, incomes are higher, right? And by quite a bit. And if you remember, I think I said food prices from 2019 rose by 25%. Average wages have risen by 21%. So that wage increase has almost offset all of the price increases, right? And has totally offset price increases in the general economy. So prices in the general economy have risen by less than the wage growth. Food prices have been a little tougher, but I think that's a positive story to tell for the economy, that we're in a good place. And uh, yeah, prices are higher. Incomes for a lot of us are higher too, thankfully. And so I like to highlight the positives. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, maybe a very important question to finish us off. What is your favorite Thanksgiving staple when you have a Thanksgiving meal? Yeah, so I think this is just a childhood memory of mine. I, I like sweet stuff. And my mom would make this sausage gravy but I would cover it with cranberry sauce. Like I like turkey, I don't love it, I'll eat it, but I'd have like a big pile of sausage gravy doused in cranberry sauce. That, that, was, that was my deal. It does, mm -hmm. yeah. makes me hungry for Thanksgiving already. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Oh, and desserts, of I like course. desserts. Pumpkin pie as well, but then like some other stuff, like well, my family will have a flan and all kinds of other treats, but Sounds how about you good. guys? I would say I'm, a huge fan of stuffing or dressing. I don't know what yeah. people 
people go, I, I just love it. I just love that mixture of all the different herbs. So that's probably what I look forward to. I do cover it in gravy too at times. So it's just all the goodness together. I am a pretty big fan of the turkey, but I also am a huge fan of like the scallop potatoes, mashed potatoes. Any type of potato is my go-to on Thanksgiving, and I might eat more potatoes than I do turkey. Well, thank you so much for coming on and uh, telling us both about your research, the CFDAS Center, as well as anything we might want to know about Thanksgiving. So thank you so much again. Thank you, Shelby and Mallory. It's been fun.